Hi guys, it's me, Professor D, and if you're new to my podcast, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Uh, this podcast covers important material that you'll see either on the AANP or ANCC, depending on which state exam you're taking. Um, I cover the content that you are most likely to see. Now, before I get started, I want to say happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there. My God, going through a program as strenuous as the NP program and being a mother, you deserve an award. You deserve, you deserve an award because when I did it, I was dying. Every day I wanted to just go throw myself in the lake behind my home. So anyhow, happy Mother's Day. I hope you enjoy your Mother's Day. If you're not a mother, show some love to a mother in your life. Um, all right, guys, the first um, disease, well, not the first, it's the only one I'm going to be talking about. But for today, what I want to cover is Osgood Schlatter disease. And depending on how they ask you about this d- disease, you know, they may not even name Osgood Schlatter. They may, you know, reference tibial tuberosity. When you see tibial tuberosity, I want your brain to immediately go to Osgood Schlatter disease. And let me explain to you what that is. Basically, guys, this is a painful lump that, you know, the patient, and usually it's going to be, a, um, excuse me, an adolescent or pre-adolescent, okay? But it's a painful lump that they develop right under the kneecap tibial tuberosity. And the reason this happens is because of repetitive movements like running or jumping. So as you can already guess, we're going to see this most often in uh, athletes. Now it can happen in boys or girls, but we tend to see this more in boys than we do in girls. And guys, it's most common around um, if it happens in boys, it's most common around the ages 13 to 15. And if it happens to girls, it's most common around the ages 11 to 13. And the reason for that is when they get their um, their growth spurt. This happens very often during the time that the that bone is growing rapidly. So the bo- for the boys, it's around 13, 13 to 15. And for the girls, it's around 11 to 13. But we do see this more in boys than we do see in girls. And obviously, we're going to see it more in athletes because they're the ones running, jumping, you know, like your basketball players, your soccer players. Um, and there can be bilateral um, involvement. We may see this in uh, both t- tibial tuberosities, but... Not normally. Normally, we just see it in one. Okay. Now, the next thing I want to uh, talk to you about is uh, the risk factors, which I covered most of them. Uh, important risk factors, again, if they're an athlete, they play a sport where they're repetitively running or jumping, such as basketball or soccer, they are at risk for Oscar Schlatter disease. And like I said, this happens during periods of rapid bone growth. Again, for the boys, it's going to happen around 13 to 15. That's when you you should expect to see it happen. And for the girls, you should see it you should expect to see it happen around 11 to 13. Something else I want you to keep in mind. This rapid bone growth for boys and girls commonly happens during the summer months. Okay? The patient is going to complain of a pain right around the knee or right below that knee, the tibial tuberosity. You will see, you will most likely see swelling, erythema, 
erythema, erythema uh, around that uh, area, the tibial tubercle. And when you ask the patient um, what exacerbates it, what makes it worse, they'll say things such as, you know, running, jumping, crouching, squatting. When you ask them what makes it better, they'll tell you, you know, when they're not doing those things, when they're actually resting that area. So you already know what one of your teaching, one of your what one of your non-pharmacologic management is going to be. They need to rest it because what's happening, guys, that repetitive, you know, contraction of the muscles and the tendons, it causes irritation. So one of the things you're definitely, matter of fact, that's the number one non-pharmacologic management is going to be rest. They have to stay away from those types of activities, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, what else are you going to see on your assessment? Again, don't forget, guys, it can be bilateral in both um, tibial tuberosities, but usually, guys, it's unilateral, okay? It's just going to be one area below the knee, not both. And like I said, it's going to be notable. You can see that swelling in that area. Now, let's talk about differential diagnoses. Now, to be honest, when it comes to differential diagnoses for Osgood Slatter, I see this question asked more on NP, you know, school exams. So if you're taking an exam for school, they ask more about, or, you know, if you have to do um, a project, they ask more about the differential diagnosis for that rather than your state exam. But guys, I'm not the one who writes the state exam, so you never know. They might decide to switch it up. So let's talk about it. Differential diagnosis. So you think it's Oscar Schlatter, but what would you want to rule out? What what else could it possibly be? Well, number one, obviously a fracture because of the pain in that location, right? So you may think, okay, maybe that patient has a tibial fracture or bursitis or maybe even an infection because remember, um, there will be, most likely there will be swelling, there'll be erythema, so you may, uh, differential diagnosis may be infection, so you think it possibly infection, bursitis, or fracture of the tibia. Now, speaking of fracture of the tibia, normally, guys, an x-ray is not even needed. Seriously, if patients got Oscar Schlatter, you can tell by feeling it. You feel right under that kneecap, you can feel that uh, prominence at the tibial tuberosity. Plus, you're going to see, again, that redness. You're going to see the swelling. The patient's going to complain of pain. They're going to say it gets worse when they do activities such as running or jumping, and they say it feels better once they rest it, all right? So normally, you don't have to do an x-ray. But if you do do an x-ray, you're going to do an x-ray of the proximal tibia and the knee. And remember, guys, we like to go from, I'm sorry, I was taking a sip of my coffee. We like to go from least invasive to most invasive. So before we get into any pharmacological management for children, because remember, this happen, happens most in uh, pre-adolescence and adolescence, we're always going to go to non-pharmacologic management first. And guys, that usually 90% of the time does a trick, okay? Number one, we're going to teach that child and the parents to avoid those activities that causes the pain and the swelling, such as the running and the jumping and the squatting and crouching and all that good stuff. Stop it. You need to rest. You're going to teach them about using ice. They're going to put ice on that area for about two to four hours. Two to four, yeah, yeah, two, 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 three hours. Two to three hours intermittently. 
You're going to teach them about wearing protective equipment over that area, such as knee pads or supports. Now, here's the thing. You have to remember that most of the patients that get this are what? They're athletes. And I hate to say it, guys, but many of the parents are, you know, diehard athlete parents because my son plays soccer. He plays travel soccer. And I see it all the time where a kid gets hurt. And I know for sure the NP or the doctor said that that child needs to rest. But guess what? They are there at the next game and the, the parents are like, go, go, go. So if you have one have one of those type of patients or you even suspect that uh, this patient is not going to be compliant with the rest that is ordered. If that pain is you know, unresolved, it's severe, you can go ahead and treat it with a knee immobilizer or even a cast. Yeah. Um, you can also order a physical therapy for that patient so, you know, they can get stretch exercises and strengthening exercises. Now, remember, guys, this is for that athlete that you're pretty sure is not going to stop. They're not going to stop. So you really want to prevent further damage. Go ahead and order physical therapy or a physical therapy console, I should, I should say, so that they can get stretching and strengthening exercises so the condition does not get worse. Now, if you have to order pharmacological management because the pain's just not going away, a patient's not resting, the strongest thing you can give them, guys, the strongest analgesic is going to be your Tylenol or ibuprofen. That is it. You are not going to give them anything stronger. Am I clear? They're going to get Tylenol, your acetaminophen, or ibuprofen, your Motrin. That is it. Now, as far as referrals go, usually you don't have to give any referral unless it's going to be for physical therapy, like I said, because you want to help them with the stretching and strengthening. And that's for the patients you're pretty sure are not going to be compliant. You want to make sure you prevent um, further damages, damages, but usually no referrals uh, necessary because, guys, this is a self-limiting um, disease, right? So once that growth plate has closed, the pain goes away. The, the, this problem's resolved. So this is not something that lingers forever. It's self-limiting. So usually you don't have to do any referrals, like I said, unless you want to do a physical therapy consult. And guys, that is your Osgood Schlatter disease in a nutshell. You know, I did this in like 10 minutes. So it's very short, but I promise they love asking about this uh, disease. And I don't know specifically what they're going to ask. So I gave you the most important things that you need to know. Guys, if you appreciate these uh, podcasts I provide every week for the nurse practitioner student, if you're currently in the nurse practitioner program or you're actually studying for your boards, I'm asking you to please support this podcast just by sharing my content, you know, your Facebook group or your study group, let them know that I exist. I'm out there and I'm here trying to help you pass your exam. If you have any friends that are in the nursing program or they just graduated from the nursing program for LPN or PN, I um, do uh, nursing videos where I cover NCLEX questions and I actually explain them. I do that on YouTube. I do it on TikTok. I do it on Instagram. My handle is still the same, Nexus Nursing. And I also provide audio lessons on my website. 
nexusnursinginstitute.com. On my website, nexusnursinginstitute.com, you can listen to all of my podcasts that I do for the nurse practitioner students. You can watch all my YouTube videos that I do for my LPN and RN students. You go on uh, TikTok and Instagram. By the way, guys, the content that I cover on YouTube is different than what I cover on TikTok and Instagram. So you can let those students know they can get a lot of studying time in with me and also purchase some audio lessons where basically what I do, guys, I kid you not, I break things down. So for those students who read the textbook and they have no idea what the textbook is trying to say, I actually explain it in layman's terms and I explain what's happening. So if you have a nursing student that you know struggling and needs some help, please go ahead and refer me. I would really appreciate it. All right, guys. So that's it for um, this week. Again, have a happy, happy, happy Mother's Day, and you'll be hearing from me next week.